Hi, Amber. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Megan, Megan, Megan. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Are you mad at me because I said I was ready and then I wasn't and you had to wait like another 10, 15 minutes? Uh, no. Oh, that's, that's kind of unfortunate. Yes. I'm really hoping you would be like enraged and then we could mm. use that energy to really make a good podcast instead of like this limp dick friendliness that we usually exude <laughs> at each other. Or at least that you exude at me. I'm uh, mostly uh-huh. ranker, but but you, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you usually really bring, try. Yeah, you usually bring the rancor, the agitation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the... All the good stuff. All the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to bring some of that in, too. Like, I want you to have that feeling of just real rage. Or just... at least, can you, can you give me some mild contempt? I don't think so. Oh, no, see, that that's going to be... There it is. I, there I, it is. <laughs> I was either going into that or I was going into passive aggressiveness. I don't know that that's actually good radio. Mm. I mean, isn't isn't kind of the basis of passive aggressivity kind of mild contempt, both for yourself and the other person? Mm. You're right. My stomach just so, growled again. I'm curious if the mic picked it up. Oh, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Ambiance. And Amber, um, I, I said we're making radio, but actually we're baking biscuits here. See, okay. See, you know, I know, <laughs> but th- that's for radio, right? Like old timey yes, radio is. is baking yeah. biscuits. We are, mm-hmm. we're making podcasts and that's, that's not biscuits. That's like mm-hmm. crumpets mm-hmm. or, or something. What's newer than biscuits? What we're, cronuts. Ex- that's exactly where my brain was going. <laughs> We're we are needing cronuts. cronuts. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're fisting sous- cronuts. We're sous-veeing cronuts. Sous-veeing cronuts. Somehow yours was worse than mine and I said fisting. <laughs> yep. Anywho. Yep. What brings us here today, Megan? Well, Amber, we are ahead of schedule this time, I think, depending on, on the release dates of these things. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Amber. Oh, this is definitely early. This is, and also don't ever say that to me ever again. I know. It's. I think it's the first time I've ever said it to you. Goddamn monster. See, there's the rage. I'm feeling it. <laughs> what do I have to do to get you here? <laughs> yeah, Amber, we watched your favorite Thanksgiving movie. It is indeed my favorite Thanksgiving movie, which isn't hard because there just aren't a lot of them. And the ones that are out there are actually kind of sad in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm not sure that I can think of any Thanksgiving movies. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is the only one I can think of. Okay. And if I remember correctly, there's, I mean, it's a comedy, but it's not really a comedy based in joy and togetherness. And it's certainly not a comedy that actually talks about, you know, the reality of Thanksgiving. Right. Unlike this delightful movie, which does both things Mm -hmm. without actually being a Thanksgiving movie. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And also just a, it brings pure joy to me. I love this movie. I have always loved this movie. It is better than the first one. And it makes me laugh. And I love the lines. And I love everything. And then there's a flyer. (sighs) Amber, we watched Adam's Family Values. We did watch Adam's Family (laughs) Values. That Thanksgiving classic. The Thanksgiving classic, yes, Megan, indeed. I hope you have an amusing mm-hmm. and or insightful and or at least brief or tediously long description <laughs> of this movie. or the other, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so, Amber, this is about the Adamses welcoming a new child into their life, a little baby, um, which makes the other two children try to kill it. 
And uh, then also um, somebody's trying to uh, marry Fester for his money. Mm, the classic new child slash murderous gold digger mm-hmm. family comedy. Right, exactly. Plus summer camp. Plus, also, well, the murderous children have to be sent to summer camp so they don't, you know, murder the smallest child. I love this plot. Mm-hmm. I love the actors in this goddamn beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the same cast as before. Raul Julia and Angelica Houston and Christina Ricci just being divine. Christopher yes. Lloyd just being wackadoodle. Just, just so much. Off-putting, growling and howling and weirdness. He is, he's so good that it's its hard to watch, which makes it good. Yes. Yeah, his, so... He absolutely starts the movie by howling. And watching his mouth during the movie just started to upset me. I mean, like, in in an endearing, that's what Fester should be doing to me way. But Indeed. like he is meant he, to be grotesque. And thus he is. so good. Yeah. Thusly, he grotesques me. Yeah. Who do we add to this cast, Amber? Oh, Megan, who didn't we add to this cast? Joan <laughs> motherfucking Cusack. Yeah. As the murderous black widow, nanny, serial killer, awesome lady. Hell the fuck. Yes. Yes. And then we got Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski as the super duper cheerful oh waspy camp counselors of the camp for overprivileged <laughs> white youth. It was so good. Yeah. And then just random notables, like flesh right. out the side characters. You've got Nathan Lane as a tired desk sergeant. You have David Hyde Pierce wearing, like, is just in a split second scene holding a baby. And you have Tony Shalhoub as a horny sailor. Again, <laughs> for seconds. Yeah, for seconds. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Nixon, very, very briefly as a potential nanny um, before she started doing any of her Sex in the City work. I yeah. love this movie i love this cast they up the ante for what raul julia and angelica houston are doing together christina ricci really gets to be more central it's and megan the critics agreed yes they did they think it was better than the first one yeah what did your critics have to say most of them anyway 62 for the critic aggregate and 72 for the users amber the critics called this a 77 and the users had it at a 63 what no i know right i can't trust the rotten tomatoes audience they're fucking suspect yeah rotten tomatoes is all over the place sometimes but yeah well there was nothing particularly interesting about what they said because i I feel like they got it right like it is yeah it's like 60 70 really good i mean i would personally put it at like 80 90 because i love it and i was a child when i watched it and it just stuck with me and it still makes me so happy and the things they say still make me laugh and then i say them again while we're watching it and megan has to listen to that happen and she loves it because I say so. Very much so, yes. But there was one blurb in particular that made me laugh, partially because of what my brother said when I said it out loud. It's a sequel from Time Out London. Who knows who wrote it because they weren't credited. As sequels go, this is passable. No more coherent than the episodic first installment, but with enough sick humor to satisfy the mildly depraved. Excellent. Obviously, the part that made me laugh was the mildly depraved part. My right. brother agreed and said, you know what, it's... I have some shit for you. If you're if you're more than mildly depraved, this is basically milk toast. But like, I've got some <laughs> recommendations for you. But we're gonna have to go offline if we want to talk about those. Yeah. Anything oh more than mild depravity, we're not gonna have a record of. No. Yeah. But it's out yeah. there, people. Mm-hmm. 
TJ has a list of those too. Actually, Amber owns most of those depraved movies. Yeah, thanks, TJ. From TJ. Thanks for yeah. that. But yes, this is uh, this will get the mildly depraved going. Mm-hmm. It's for those <laughs> low to mid level depravity people. Yeah. Um, my favorite was from the New Yorker. You've got to respect a comedy that makes light of arson, torture, and murder in these squeamish times. I mean, I'd respect that no matter what, but especially in squeamish times. Yeah, they had no idea how squeamish it would get. Yikes. Cool. Yeah, critics, you know. We do not have to exact uh, entertainment justice upon you. Podcasting, Amber? I'm. I absolutely texted and podcasted. <gasps> and no one would have known if you hadn't Scandal. fucking said anything. Because I know. It's, it was fucking ninja-like, and the only reason you know is because you were on the group text that I just texted to, and I don't I know, know why you had to call me out like that. Because <laughs> I thought it would be amusing. See, again, I'm getting outrage from you, but it's not rage. I want mm-hmm. rage. I see. How we'll get there. dare you text, Ember? Uh, I'm not have very to good force at it like that. It's it's an insult at this point. Is it? It's, so maybe that's my long game, Ember. To just make me explode with rage, rather yes. than bringing some of your own to the table? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm a... just like your fucking rage puppet, then. Yeah. Like you're just manipulating me. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that turns out, Megan. Yeah, probably not well. Uh, yeah, bye, critics. You did okay. Toodaloo! So, as we said before, um, Fester's literally howling at the moon to begin this movie, Amber. And it just gets better from there. Yes, uh, Morticia and, and uh, Gomez are having a lovely evening in when she announces she's going to have a baby right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. There is a frantic scene of rushing her to the hospital while she's chill as fuck, and she and her husband are basically making out. It's adorable and lovely. And she's her eyes are lit all the way, like including on the gurney while she's giving birth. Oh, 100%. The lighting that is solely across her eyes is always there throughout the film, as it was in the first. Yep. Yeah, I feel like they doubled down even more in this one. It was even Mm -hmm. more on her face all the time. It was more all the time. There are so many lines that make me genuinely laugh that I just, I don't want to say them again because you really should just experience them when they're delivered by Raul Julia and Angelica Houston and Christina Ricci and Christine Britt. Everybody's doing, oh, Joan Cusack. I mean, some of them are going to squeak out of me because I can't fucking help it. But Mm -hmm. birth scene. We have the rest of the family hanging out in the waiting room with an overly cheerful child who's explaining how babies are made because her parents are also having a baby. And she's like, an angel put a diamond under a cabbage leaf and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Christina Ricci's like, our parents had sex. Yeah, that's right. It's this movie. And then Mm -hmm. Morticia's having the baby. And she's like, oh, yes, this pain is great. And then the doctor asks her, she wants anesthesia. She's like, no, but do ask the children. (laughs) It's so nice of her to offer. So nice of her to offer. Then we get the baby. Pale. Mustachioed like his father. Of course. Creepy crib. Creepy mobile made of knives. But the other children, they don't like it. They start playing with the baby. I respect that their play is educational and creative. This isn't just blatantly trying to kill the kid. They're trying to come up with educational ways to kill this unwanted child. Right. Scientific experiments and such. That one was rough. Yeah, to murder pure little pubert. I mean, not because they wanted to drop a baby off the roof, but because their science was flawed, Megan. Amber, yeah, this this really upset me. They just they just did science so bad. They're gonna see if um they go to the top of their house, which has got to be like nine stories tall, and they're gonna drop a bowling ball and pubert off the roof to see who lands first and who bounces. 
Exactly. And and Wednesday asked Pugsley which one's going to land first and which one's going to bounce. He guesses mm-hmm. the bowling ball because it's heavier. Right. And then the baby because, you know, squishy. Right. Bad yeah. science. Bad science. That bowling ball will bounce. That baby would not bounce. And it, the bowling ball's not going to hit first because it's heavier. No. What? No. It might because it's more aerodynamic. Exactly. We're talking friction and absolute falling speeds. God damn it. Yeah. That was frustrating. Yeah. But then when they try to decapitate the baby, they do a whole like Marie Antoinette thing that's delightful. Yep. Again, historical, <laughs> creative, baby murder. Amber, can we um, talk a little bit? I know this is a, a bit of a, a, of, a, of a thing, but you just said decapitate a baby. And uh, so we had our, our horror, horror movie night watch-a-thon <laughs> last night. And uh, we were watching these short little movies, and one was just really ridiculous where this woman was going to look in her basement for this noise, obviously. And she, like, sticks her whole head in there. Come on. The door just opened wide on its own, and then she heard this (laughs) laugh from the... Bitch! Get out of the house, or at the very least, shut that goddamn door. Don't stick your head into the Stygian depths. Right. God damn! Yeah. What'd you say about that, Lady Amber? I said she'd lost her right to capitation. <laughs> you did say that. Oh, Having was... a head is a privilege, not a right. Not a right. Yeah. Good point, Amber. Or it's a right that can be lost, I guess is what I was going for. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're going to stick your head in a creepy open basement door that's moaning at you. I mean, there is... An adage ready made for this this situation, specifically made for this situation. Use it or lose it, Megan. Yeah, good point. And she was not using her head by going towards the moaning, creepy sounds in the basement. He's not using it for what it was intended to be used for. It's not meant to be used as bait. No, no, it is not. What was the other hysterical thing you said? It was that and oh, that I'd seen older. <laughs> That one will be harder to describe. Yeah, we don't have to. T- that was that was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was for me. <laughs> I'll just leave that in. We're just going to leave in an esoteric joke that Megan wanted from me. You're Perfect. welcome, audience. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So uh, decapitate a baby. Right. We're learning about... Um, Marie Antoinette? Is that what we're doing? I believe so, yes. Um, yes. As, as Wednesday read a proclamation uh, about how she had wronged the people and she being the tiny baby that they attempted to decapitate. Baby, much like other Adamses, almost impossible to kill. Yep, yep. This baby just catches the, the sharp blade. But oh, do they try. And this, this, these attempts, of course, cause chaos in the house. Morticia and Gomez just can't get that DTF going. You know, they just want to have the sexy times. She... She explains, like, you know, she's happy, she's content, but she's just like any modern woman. She wants to have it all. Children, a loving husband. But she just wishes she had more time to seek out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. (laughs) Who wouldn't? And of course, they're rich, so you hire a nanny. So you hire a nanny. Yeah, and they go through, there's a great scene where they go through a bunch of nannies and all just... Some are too creepy for the Adamses, like that one with the puppet. Oh my, no, oh, the puppet. Oh, that is that is one of my favorite scenes. It escalates yes. really well. You know, there's like the hippie nanny 
Like, let's talk about how we prevent forest fires. And then, you know, Wednesday strikes a bunch of matches and prevent them. And then, you know, there's the other nanny's like, I've had it up to here. You tell me where that baby is. And she's like, which part of him? But then the mm-hmm. perfect one, the British nanny who has a little puppet. It's like, I'm Polly Puppet. Let's all clean our room. And then Wednesday pulls out a hand puppet and it's the devil. <laughs> and she says, okay, Polly. I'll clean my room in exchange for your immortal soul. And then she makes the puppet rub its little hands together greedily. Yeah, it's adorable. I'm describing things again. I can't help it. They make me so happy. I know. And then Debbie comes, Amber. Debbie. Joan Cusack. Mm -hmm. She's got the blonde hair and the happy clothes of a Kathy Lee Grifford. Gifford? Gifford. Griffin? Gifford. I'm happy with where I left it. Yeah, perfect. We can move on. Yes. Uh, yeah, and she so she comes in and she just like, gosh, she just seems to be perfect for them, you know? Doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to mind the murder and the just wildness that's going on around her. Mm-hmm. Disembodied mm-hmm. hand jumps on her shoulder, no problem. She sucks its finger and says she's really good with her hands. Yeah. Creepy bald dude, totally into it. Kind of mm-hmm. turned on by it. What's that about? Yeah, good question, Amber. Oh, we learn quickly. Yes. She's not there by accident. Is not there by accident. We know this because shortly after she is hired, we see her in her room in the Adams Mansion, and she's watching not Unsolved Mysteries, but it's essentially like a spoof of it called like Most Disgusting Unsolved Murders. America's Most Disgusting Unsolved Crimes. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. With Peter Graves. With Peter, Peter Graves. With the actual Peter Graves, yeah. yeah. And so it's they're, they're describing the Black Widow. She's murdered three different people. And it's... It is great to watch her watching a special about herself killing men. And, like, just the facial expressions that Joan Cusack has as he goes through her story of, like, you know, she mates and then she murders and she steals their fortunes. And she's like, yes, I do. And she's never been caught. She's like, yep, that's me. But then the money runs out and she glances over at the nightstand and there's, like, $3.85 next to it. (laughs) She's like, yeah, it's only that much money. It's just, she's so delighted watching her own press. I love it. Yeah, she's, like, in conversation with it and just just proud of herself. Yeah, it's very good. As she should be. Mm-hmm. And then she has like newspaper clippings about Fester and how, and also like there's Fester like on the New York, or no, on Time Magazine and like in all these articles about how he has all this money and how he's Forbes. a bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, her job is to land Fester. Hard to do with two creepy, subversive children who have totally figured out her game immediately because Wednesday is on top of her shit. Yeah, Wednesday within three seconds is is just knows what's happening. Just like the last movie. She mm-hmm. fucking knows. She goddamn knows. Mm-hmm. So of course, Joan Cusack, brilliant murder nanny, ships him off to summer camp. Yep. Great. Great. Yes. Great. So great. Megan, where mm-hmm. do they wind up? They wind up at... Camp Chippewa, Amber. Camp Chippewa. How is mm-hmm. it described to us by Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski, our delightful camp counselors? I'm going to need you to pull that for me, Amber. That's fine. That's fine. I, I will tell you. I'm happy to tell you because I can't stop quoting this movie after I said I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the premier camp per, for privileged youth. 
Premiere camp, that's right. Yep. And then they say you're here to learn and to grow and to just plain have fun. Because that's what being privileged is all about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's just like it hits the nail on the head. And they all the camp all the campers are white um blonde kids. Except for except for we'll get to the the select few who aren't. Yes, there are a handful of kids that look not like the Aryan master race, and, and those kids are, are singled out as, as misfits and out, outcasts, and of course Wednesday and Pugly are grouped in with them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yes. their struggles at camp just beginning, Debbie makes her move on Fester. It's effective. It it takes absolutely nothing. He's already, like, he was, like, ogling her from, from like, three stories up when she first entered the, the house, so... Yeah, it doesn't take much. Easiest thing she's ever done. We get to see a nice dance number between Morticia and Gomez. I love it. It involves fire and knives and spinning. Mm-hmm. And great. Yep, uh- I love the music. I love the fucking soundtrack to this movie. It's ah, the strings and it's so romantic, but whimsical and a little bit creepy. It's perfect. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, they go on a double date and yeah. Yeah, Fester's not very charming. He's, He's trying. trying really hard. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, and Gomez is trying to help him. Mm-hmm. It's like any woman would be lucky to have you. Yep. Just charm her, woo her. He sticks breadsticks up his nose. He's very good at this. He he does. Yeah. But that night they get engaged because you know she wants his money. Oh yeah, no, no, no. She is in. She, she's an easy, easy catch. They get engaged. Wedding happens. Boom, bang. Super fast. He gives these heartfelt vows. I will love you. I'll worship you. You're the best thing that's ever happened. She kind of pauses. Nice. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> it's a question mark <laughs> at the end of the ditto. Yep. Ah, oh, Joan Cusack. And then, bam, we're on the honeymoon when she makes her kill. She's already married. They've got yeah. the goods. And so <laughs> there's this great scene where he's in this bubble bath in Hawaii. She's in this resplendent, feathery, pink dressing gown robe. She puts on like Time Life's most 5,000 most romantic songs and starts walking around with the boondocks attached to like six extension cords. And she's like, how much do you love me? Would you do anything for me? Would you die for me? And he's like, yes. And then she says, promise. And then she chucks the boombox into the bathtub. And then as like the lights flash, she is having an orgasm. She's 100% orgasming from this attempted murder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I said attempted because. Because he is not dead. He actually picks up. I don't remember how a light bulb got in there. I guess things were just like popping and whatever around. But there's a light bulb that ends up in there and he puts it in his mouth and he, he does his classic light bulb in the mouth um light bulb turns on thing i mean if she paid attention to the first movie she'd know that he is basically immune to electricity damage yeah he cannot be hurt by electricity or probably anything else yeah he's an adams where do you where do you find those adamses anyway amber megan i believe it has to be damp (laughs) (laughs) is angelica houston's response to that particular question says (laughs) uh and, like, the call and response of, like, simple one-liners is great. You know, when Joan Cusack shows up and she sees Gomez Adams, she's like, oh, 
what a lady killer. He pulls the cigar out of his mouth and he's like, acquitted. <laughs> when I was a kid, I did not get that joke. Nope. Nope. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of just like really just one-liners that are just like that, especially with Joan Cusack, because like she's like in, but like, and they're being brutally honest with her about it. it, it I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about that except that. Oh it's yeah, great. she's she's yes and all the way to yes. the Adams family. It's it's one of the reviewers did complain about there not being more of the straight worlds in the first movie. And I have to agree because there is more of it in this one and it makes the jokes land funnier because you have your straight men. And like with Joan Cusack, you have like an all in yes and straight man, so you get the reaction to the bizarreness, but she's also a serial killer who's trying to manipulate them too. Right. <sighs> yep. It's a beautiful battle of wills. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. at camp, yes. What's Wednesday and Pugsley uh-huh. not doing so well, trying to no. escape, not part of the thing. They get sent to the Harmony Hut, which is this terrifying yes. tiny cabin that just has like kitten posters and Michael Jackson posters and Sound of Music. It's like Disney. They Doilies. used to try to yeah, yeah, try to like indoctrinate them into being happy because mm-hmm. Wednesday refused to be in Peter McNichol's end of year big play that he writes and directs every year and this year he's doing a salute to the first thanksgiving yes and he's cast wednesday as pocahontas in fact all like they essentially the at the end like, when he's describing this play and like they say oh you know all of our pilgrims are going to be essentially all of the popular white girls that we've seen and that are like right. wednesday's nemeses and then they say like our less popular happy campers and it's just a line of non-white people and yep. one plus size girl with food on her shirt. Yep. And a Jewish kid. Yep. Which we know because they they prominently placed a yarmulke on his head. Mm-hmm. It is just blatant. And then they make yes. all of those kids the Indians. And they make Wednesday Pocahontas. Yep. For the first Thanksgiving. Yep. Because Pocahontas and the... It was Basically, they're making it very clear that we are in the realm of pure fantasy. Right. Yeah. No, it's just all... All of it's just... Yeah. Terrible. And, like, terrible in a way that seems super plausible for, you know, a stupid camp full of white privileged kids. This feels like it was based in one of the writer's private personal experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... A lot of the, the critics mentioned Paul Rudnick... Uh, who apparently I think wrote or at least helped write or maybe 100% wrote the screenplay. And he's like an American playwright and screenwriter. He's very funny. I think he writes for like the New York Times. 100% agree. Whatever he did, he did it beautiful and good. There are great speeches. And then Mm -hmm. this, yeah, this feels like it's couched in real personal experience, lived experience. Yep. Because the play that they put on, Megan. Mm -hmm. Does it go as planned? It doesn't go as planned, but it just... This is what makes it the best Thanksgiving movie. I mean, sure, there's the family message of being together and loving each other and blah, blah, blah. Like, the thing that white people say is the good thing about Thanksgiving. It's like, that's mm-hmm. why we love this holiday, because it's about the togetherness. You know, we're not about the genocide. Like, and I really don't like it when you mention the genocide, because it makes me feel bad about a holiday I just really love, and it's about family. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, yeah, it is your privilege to not to think, think that to way. be able to 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 yeah <laughs> to be able to close your eyes to genocide yeah that's that's big time privilege exactly to not have to interact with your own history mm-hmm. thanksgiving and this country exist solely because of theft and genocide and you know slavery 
but without taking lands that were never ceded by a vast majority of tribes and then killing the ones that stayed and then removing the ones that you didn't kill, that's how this country exists as it does. And the first Thanksgiving never actually happened. Like the mythology of that, of the pilgrims all getting together and having a meal with their helpful Native American, whatever, that's bullshit. There were feasts and things like that, but nothing like what the first Thanksgiving says happened. And no, a, a handful story. of the ones that did happen wound up actually being poisoning events of men, women, and children. Right. Yeah. No, it's a story that white people tell themselves so that they can live with genocide in the past and... To feel like they rightfully inherited this. Like, that that basically, you know, the tribes that lived here just were happy to give it to them. Mm -hmm. And that it's a nice, clean story of, you know, cohabitation and inheritance. It's not. The closest corollary to the mythical Thanksgiving was a land deal that was celebrated Mm. with food. So, Thanksgiving. Kind of bullshit, if you know the history. Like, it's fine that you want to do your togetherness stuff, but... I don't love that people don't want to think about it on this happy day, but they also don't want to think about it the other 364 days. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hmm, okay, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want this to ruin my happiness. You know, like, you know what ruins happiness? Being colonized and then murdered and then sent to reservations and then forgotten and then just continually pounded by legal, social, and cultural restrictions that cease to erase you, forget you, or just continue to kill you. Right. And I realized, I, I, I said in the past, but I was talking about that specific thanksgiving thing. But yeah, there there is absolutely still very much, um, yeah, a systematic oppression of Native people and not caring if they live or die. So great. It's yep. still happening. It is still happening. I mean, you just have to look at uh, the COVID numbers, deaths, infections, yeah, economic impacts. Just really know which communities were on the brink before it happened by seeing which ones have been really pushed even farther after right. it happened. But hey, you know, this is my happy turkey day. Mm-hmm. Right. So you were saying, yes, you were saying, like, please don't make me think about this on, on turkey day. But oh, oh, I also geez. will not think about it any other day either. <laughs> and I, it, it is because you, you've built in to the holiday native peoples. Yeah. But you're not going to think about them as actual human people who have a history mm-hmm. tangled up with yours and that who still exist today. Not solely as victims, but as people who have been victimized by colonization, which we all benefit from. Mm-hmm. Have your day... But also have your serious thinky times. Maybe save it for the day before. Obviously not the day after, because that's your day for consuming. Mm-hmm. Not food. That was the first day. The second one is for consuming goods, because Black yeah. Friday. You get it. You get it. This, this, yeah, this, that Friday's for capitalism. Which is why I love this movie, because mm-hmm. 1993, I'm a little baby 10-year-old. I don't see the world as I see it at school or in media. I didn't read a non-white author until I got to college. Didn't really read a woman either. And the history that I was taught was white history. Like essentially you go to school, at least when I went to school, and you learn how to be white. You learn white history. And white history is all about the erasure and removal of black people, native people, and everyone else. Like LGBTQ people, everyone is missing from this unless you're like cis, straight, white, and more often than not male. 
So when I watch this movie and they're like, we're going to do the first Thanksgiving, my heart goes, blurp. We're going to make this white girl Pocahontas. Blurp. Yep. We're going to make all these other mostly white kids and then like <laughs> Hispanic and black and we're going to red face everybody. Mm-hmm. Blurp. Yep. And then the play starts and it's hilarious because there's this great fucking song where Pugsley is the turkey and they're all, <laughs> they come out and they start singing and dancing and it's like, eat us. <laughs> hey, it's Thanksgiving day. Eat us. And then, like, we lost the race with Farmer Ted, so eat us because we're good and dead. And they're all dressed up as food. Mm -hmm. Chop off our legs and put them in your mouth. It's a a very good song. Like, okay. I mean, that song is catchy and hilarious. Fine. And then Mm -hmm. there's the white people talking about how savage Indians are. Oh, cool. This is happening. I mean, I get that they're supposed to be stupid because they're talking about they're savage because... They don't have last names or wear shoes. Okay, you know, okay, yeah, we're, we're mocking the white people by having them facetiously, hyperbolically mock Native people. And then the red-faced children show up and they do the how and the blah, blah. And, oh, you're so beautiful. But then, Megan. Mm-hmm. But then. There's the well-known speech. Yep. We cannot break bread with you. And then it's just a, you've taken our land, years from now, the world will be an apocalypse for my people. We survived an apocalypse, and it was you. The gods have spoken, we shouldn't trust you, we're not going to have this meal, and then they say they're going to scalp them and burn their building to the ground. Don't love the scalping thing. Yeah, don't don't love that either, but... Playing into more stereotypes. Right. I do love the burning the building to, village to the ground, and then they, all the kids legit show up with actual flaming torches. And they legit burn it to the ground, yes. And flaming arrows, because of course, summer camp, they learned archery. Yes. They're using course. those skills. Mm-hmm. The, the children all also run off going woo, 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 and like doing the hand in front of the mouth yeah. thing. Could have yeah. done without that as well. Yep. It's like you're, you're making a statement... But simultaneously, also just like going balls deep in stereotypes. Just, just gonna go for it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to kind of. It's not hard to figure out that line, but like they did not, they did not hit that line correctly. <laughs> like they, they addressed some things that never get addressed in movies, especially a movie like this. But then absolutely perpetuated some more of those stereotypes, which is could have gone without that for sure right like it was nice to see that to see the existence of that to see that called out and it's it it kind of reminds me of those moments in like like the good place there's like that quick one-off line where they're trying to get chidi to to explore like the the neighborhood and like be you know a map maker Mm -hmm. he's like oh you know i like christopher columbus and then you know janet the you know knowledge being Mm -hmm. shows up she's like fun fact columbus actually in the bad place you know because of all the rape and genocide <laughs> and she just like backs yep. off yep. it's just that that quick like we bring up columbus let's bring up the truth like and it was say. 10 seconds but it's it's one of those things that you don't see and and mm-hmm. that, that isn't out there and that isn't brought up and it's sort of the people who know know and the people who don't are left with that cute story of like columbus discovered the americas and it was great Mm-hmm. He didn't rape and murder and kidnap a bunch of people and quite literally depopulate an entire island. Mm-hmm. He was a great sailor. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. not the best thing I've ever seen, 
but pretty fucking close at that point. Right. At that point, that was not something you saw in a kid's movie at all. <sighs> Best Thanksgiving movie ever. Something yeah. burns to the ground and a bunch of white people. Like, And then, of course, like the parents who are there to see their little privileged kids do this thing are definitely a part of the mayhem. Just yes. shit goes wild. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. And this is when Pugsley and Wednesday make their getaway. Mm-hmm. Because they have to help because they know that Debbie's a black widow and she's going to kill Fester. Right. Exactly. So, Amber, Joan Cusack tries to, um, you know, electrocute Fester. She tries to blow him up in the next kind of assault on his life. Um and she, uh, you know, she she sets a bomb and then she goes shopping, I think. And then she comes back and she just sits in the in the driveway, just waiting for the bomb to go off. And she practices her her very sad look, Amber, and her fake crying. Officer, and- my husband was in that house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it be- it becomes super maniacal. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Wet crying sounds just into like meaty chuckles. Absolutely. And then the house blows up. She does not look at the explosion because she's very cool, Amber. Fuck yes, Joan Cusack is amazing. Yeah. And then she, she gets out of the car and she cries for help, Amber. Help. Help. <laughs> just this like quiet at, little mouse voice. Yeah, at that volume. <laughs> she is the pageantry of these attempted murders is great. Yes. It's fantastic. Ah, somehow Fester lives. It's really hard to kill an Adams. So hard to kill an Adams. So just pulls a, she pulls a gun on him at this point. She's yeah. like, I tried to give you some dignity, but god damn it, you're the worst. I'm gonna shoot you. And then Megan, much <gasps> like the last the- movie. Yes. Who comes to save him? Who's who's the hero in both of these movies, Amber? Thing! The disembodied hand! Yes. So Wednesday always figures shit out almost immediately, and Thing does some real good rescuing in both the movies. Solid rescuer, that hand. He can drive, as it turns oh, out. He's, yeah, it's... Yes, he can. He Logistically the, difficult dis- to yeah, grasp, but it works. For sure. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so he saves Fester, but then they all end up at uh, at at the Adamses's house. Oh man, what's been happening at the Adamses's house since Fester left? And Debbie basically said, "Since I can't kill you, you can never see your family again." Right, that was and she be used her sex ploy, to yeah. control him. Yep, yep, her ploy was that, and uh, oh, oh, Amber, poor little Pubert is having a, a like just an identity crisis. <gasps> Megan, what happened to his? awesomely grim nursery and his pale complexion with tiny little drawn-on mustache yeah he's now um like bright-eyed and blonde with wild curly hair and also inexplicably his nursery has become like pastels and unicorns and stuff it's a curse megan it's a curse The, the grandmother describes that it's a curse and if they don't reverse it it could it could stay that way forever and and the curse is because fester has left their family Right. He knows something's wrong. Children know these things. They do. And when those are Adam's children, those, 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 that knowledge manifests as a curse. Right, exactly. Yeah. The, the grandmother is describing just how bad this could be if they don't reverse it. He could become a lawyer. <laughs> Raul Julia's like, I won't listen. 
an orthodontist. Angelica Houston, Mama, stop. President. <laughs> Raul Julia just collapses on the ground. Please take me. <laughs> And then as as this malady progresses, you see Angelica Houston in the new pastel nursery with the new pubert reading the cat in the hat in the most maudlin, melancholy way you could ever yes. read Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. We looked and we saw him step in on the mat. We looked and we saw him, the cat in the hat. <laughs> She's like, are you enjoying this? <laughs> And then she flips to the end and she says, oh, no, he lives. Ah, oh, they're so good. And then Gomez, reacting to all of this family tragedy, takes to his bed. Angelica Houston, sitting at his bedside, my husband dying, my child cursed, Fester gone, my children at summer camp, my family is broken. And meanwhile, Raul Julia is just lying in bed, looking insane, raising his hand to the sky while singing, Swing low, <laughs> sweet cherry. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But then, Fester mm -hmm. breaks in with Thing. He's mm -hmm. seen the error of his ways. He was enslaved with sex, which Angelica Houston respects. The kids show up. The family's back together, but Debbie is not yet dead. No, Debbie is not yet dead. She but shows up with a pump shotgun and chains them all to the plethora of electric chairs that they have on hand. They just have an electric chair per person in that basement. Yep. Yep. I'm not going to question that. That seems good. No, that does seem logical. I mean, like... We definitely know they had one from the first movie, but it just, it, it, you know, it tracks that they would have one for everyone. And this movie, you know, you'd think it would slow down at this point. You'd think they'd be out of stuff. You know, comedies like this, they tend to slump at the end, like kind of limp over the finish line, maybe have one big bad joke. But while they're all strapped to electric chairs. Yes. Debbie. We, yes. We the get Black her, Widow. Her full history story. With a slideshow. Oh, with the slideshow, of course. Oh, so good. Oh, we take... Because, you know, she wants them to understand before mm -hmm. she kills them and takes all their money that, you know, this is kind of on the other people in her life that led mm -hmm. her to this dark path. I mean, were her parents so doting, so generous? I don't know, Megan, because when she asked for a ballerina Barbie for her birthday, what did she get? She got a Malibu Barbie. Ever. Malibu Barbie? She's a ballerina. Graceful. Delicate. And it just shows the slides of like her hopefully opening the box and then her looking enraged about what's in the box. And then the next slide is the house on fire. Yep. One of my other favorite things, the slideshow is really good. My other favorite thing is how much all of the Adamses agree with her. They're mm -hmm. like... The nightmare, the nerve of the yep. Malibu Barbie. Yep. And like and, she talked like oh. her next husband is like he was a heart surgeon. And she's like, okay, you know, but what about Debbie? You know, coronaries, bypasses. He works so hard. What about? And, and like, it's, I think it's the grandmother who says, yeah. but what about Debbie? <laughs> what about Debbie? And by the way, Carol King is now playing um, the grandma. And like, she's just so, yeah, oh. she's just so good. She's just so good. And then the next husband's a senator and it's like, no more Mercedes this year, Debbie, <laughs> is we can't, we, we'll look bad. And then the pictures she has yes, are mid-murder. 
Yep, she stops to take mid-murder, like, the shadow of an axe falling. The, um, just before she's about to hit the guy with her car. Yeah. She has a dedication to her craft. And then the final, I, okay, this is pro, I, I think this will be the last thing that I say. That is a goddamn quote, except for maybe one other thing. I am the worst. Is this fun for you? Is this fun for you, listeners? Joan Cusack, standing there at the end of her slideshow. So I killed. So I maimed. So I destroyed one innocent life after another. Aren't I a human being? Don't I yearn and ache and shop? Don't I deserve love and jewelry? And of course, the family all agreeing. And she's like, yes. you know, did you all welcomed me in with open arms. You all, you know, cared about me. But did you really love me? And Raul Julia, they're all strapped in, says, hands. <laughs> and they, they can't raise their hands, Megan. No, they cannot. Because they're strapped in. Here's the thing, Amber. I think that if she'd just been honest with them and hadn't tried to take Fester away from them, they actually could have all been a good family. Like she could have joined their ranks, I think. But yes, they, they were they were totally into her deal. There was no disagreement there. Except except actually that's not true. She was very selfish. She was, yeah. And she liked pastels, which also she, Morticia yeah, was, called her out on. She did. She did. Yeah. She was totally cool with the sexual enslavement and the blah, blah, blah. But the pastels were too far. Yeah, exactly. She did have a very different aesthetic. Yes. Baby saves the day. Debbie dies. And then there's a nice scene at the end. Wednesday found summer camp love. She did with Joel. He comes to visit. And, you know, he's, they, they go to Debbie's grave and he's like, oh, poor Debbie. She was, she was sick Wednesday. She wasn't sick. She was sloppy. If I wanted to kill my husband, I'd do it in a way where I wouldn't get caught. <laughs> Joel's like, how? I'd scare him to death. No, you and, wouldn't. And then what happens when he goes to put like a flower on her grave? A hand shoots up out of the grave and grabs him and he starts shrieking like he's going to die. And you just see this creepy ass smile on Wednesday's face. Oh, yeah. It's so good. She it's also, so good. when Joel asks if she'd ever want to get married, um, he's like, she's like, no. He's like, but what if he worshiped the ground you walked on? Like, what would you do then? I'd pity him. Mm -hmm. yep <laughs> they also um play a ruse they're they're in the uh what was it called the happy house the harmony hut harmony hut um and when they come out of the harmony hut um they ask them to smile and wednesday <laughs> christina ricci does this wonderful like scowl to smile that's just it's brilliant like it takes like a good I don't know, 15, 20 seconds for her to do. Mm -hmm. And like, it goes from like smiling big with the, that like, like smizing with the eyes, but then that makes her look even like wilder. And then like, eventually she gets a smile going, but like, it's smile in name only, not actual feeling. It's, and that's so clear. It looks like anyway. the physical manifestation of mania. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like staring into the eyes of madness. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Ember, what would you call this movie on the rock scale? Amazing. The best. The best thing ever. The best thing movie crack. Ever. Okay. So, I'm going to... So, regrettable, outstanding, crazeballs, or K. I'm, I'm thinking you're going outstanding crazeballs, eh? 
I mean, it's just outstanding. It's just outstanding. I'm not even gonna... Craze Balls is for the normal riffraff of things. It's just outstanding. I see. I see. All right. Well, there you have it. This movie's outstanding, everybody. I was 10, and I have not changed my mind since. This movie no. is outstanding. There's nothing no. wrong with it. There are so many things wrong with it, I'm sure. And nor should you. Um, yeah, I, I go like craze balls, outs- outstanding craze balls in that same realm. I'm not actually sure which one I like better. I, I oh, you're I wonder. I wonder if because I'm just a little bit older than you that I actually like started with the the first one, and so had that I loved both of them kind of equally. Eh, who knows? And I I think I this one I know the lines and the intonation. Yes, you do. Yes. At least I didn't repeat them. I just said them at the same time as the actors. Is that better (laughs) or worse, Megan, for your movie watching experience? It's it's made it a delight, Amber. It's always a delight. You're so good at lying. You're not, though. You're actually not. So am I getting more gullible? Hmm. Hard to say. Meh, I'm not going to worry about that. Megan, do you have an Abby story? Yeah, so... um. Um, Abby was making um, macaroni and cheese and now this was fake macaroni and cheese that she made for me um, and uh, she just to said be clear that, so not actual food correct okay. because she actually does make um, she she's a great help in, in making things she does a really good job helping in the kitchen and she we did make mac and cheese um, together anyway but this was fake mac and cheese and she said it was special mac and cheese it was Captain Marvel mac and cheese Amber um, does that mean that you'll have superpowers after you eat it? Amber, what it means is it's mac and cheese mixed with lifesavers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, you know, that classic combo. Hey, man, you, with, with the culinary arts, you got to start with passion. You do. And I, and I asked, like, does the, you know, lifesavers on the side or just right in that mac and cheese? And she said, inside the mac and cheese. And I said, all right. Sounds like Captain Marvel mac and cheese to me. This is not a garnish. This is part of the dish. This is part of it, yeah. Yeah. Troubling. Mm. Yes. Adorably troubling. Mm -hmm. Amber, do you have a recommendation? I do. Ooh. Booyah, motherfucker. Hot out of the gate. Don't even have to edit out my awkward pause of like, oh, right. That. Okay, keeping it simple. Stressful times, people. It'll be over by the time you hear this, whatever that means. Future people. But let's assume that even if it's over, it ain't over, because it won't be. What you're going to need is just pure crystallized joy. Some, some escape that will make you laugh, that will make you cry with the laughing. So I'm going to keep it simple. I recommend two video shorts. The first, one I just watched with my brother called Idris Elba Can Do Anything. It's by Famalam, Series 3. Hilarious. Watch it. Comedy. They don't know how to end it, but that's okay. The first two parts of it, brilliant. Quick, short, funny, love it. Check that box. Two, something I love, something that was recommended to me after watching Idris Elba Can Do Anything that just revived my love of this thing. I hadn't watched it in years, but it's still so amazing. Shia LaBeouf Live by Rob Cantor. C-A-N-T-O-R. It is a song. There is a performative element. 
It involves Shia LaBeouf. I will tell you no more. If you've already seen it, watch it again. It will make you laugh just as hard. If you didn't laugh the first time you watched it while you're listening to this podcast, we clearly have nothing mm -hmm. in common. Yep. Just put those in your faces. Put those in your souls. Hold on to that feeling. Let some of that tightness leave your gut. Let some of that gnawing nausea and uncertainty float away because no matter what else is true about this world we live in, those two things exist. That's beautiful, Amber. Take a stand, people! Okay. <laughs> Megan, do you have a recommendation? I do, and I'm, I'm actually going to go along the same lines as you. I've been, you know, it's been chilly here. We got our first snow in Western Mass. Um, and so I'm going to recommend Taza Chocolate which um, they, they do these little um, chocolate um, discs um, and you can make, they have chocolate um, Mexican hot chocolate discs in cinnamon and vanilla and chili and almond and, uh, and just kind of regular um, chocolate. Anyway, you make some with milk, you make them up and it's hot chocolate and it's very good. And it's, it's just nice, something comforting. That's all. Taza, T-A-Z-A. That sounds delicious. Do that while watching my thing. Watch it on repeat if you have to, although it might lessen some of its efficacy. Feel free to go down like a mini video YouTube hole. It might be better than whatever you're doing with your brain space. Yep, exactly. All right, good. We did a good job. I talked we a lot did. about a movie. I let you talk sometimes, but not very much. Not mm, our best no. work because, come on, Megan, rein me the fuck in. Let's say goodbye. Mm. Never. I would never rein you in on this movie, Amber. Um, and with that, Amber, I'd like to end like I always end, which is to say, don't waste too many rocks on one bird. Okay, but like, what if you really need to kill that specific bird? Like, that bird just <laughs> stole your baby. There's no wasting rocks on that. Plus, lots of rocks in the world. It's not like we have a rock shortage. You just take a sledgehammer, smash a bigger rock. Look, more fucking rocks. Dumb, I hate it. Kill that bird. Do finish what you started, you quitter. Like Pugsley in Adam's Family Values. Yeah. Arrow. Exactly. Bald eagles extinct now because of that one eagle that Pugsley killed. Yeah. It's a good shot, Amber. It's a great shot. Bye, Bye Megan. <laughs>